But today we have the special honor of um, having really not a guest speaker because they are part of our family now, but um, Dan and Bertha Amaro came to us. I didn't realize it's been six months, 10 months. I thought that was, we talked Friday night. I'm like, man, you've been on the fast track here at six months, but it's been 10 months. It'd be 12, it'd be a year at Easter, right? Somewhere around there. And um, those of you that have had the opportunity to meet them and get to know them a little bit, you know that they are quality people and uh, that God has blessed us with them. And uh, he comes from a pastor's family. His, his uh, father was a pastor. He was raised in a pastor's home. And uh, they were on staff at a um, large church in Mexico, right on the, you can talk about that, amen. I won't get into it, but uh, well qualified. And we believe that God ordered their steps and brought them to Life Point Church for such a time as this. So he's gonna minister to us today. Pastor Dan, if you'll come, would you welcome him right now? Come on, church. Let's welcome him today. Love you so much. Appreciate you so much. Come on, come on, sit down, sit down. You don't need to do that. Thank you very much, I really appreciate it. Some of you have reached out in the last couple of days. Uh, with words of encouragement, with uh, you're saying you're praying for me and with me, with my family, and I really appreciate that. We uh, we are so blessed to be a part of this church. And uh, almost a year ago, it was, it was February that my wife was here, uh, interviewing for that position at her place of work. And back home, we were praying for the Lord to direct our steps and to make clear for us if we wanted to move and relocate over here. And now that we are here we can confirm that it was definitely God moving us and bringing us to this great church for a day like this. So I'm just excited to be in front of you uh, today, this morning. Uh, let me tell you that this will be my first time preaching in English. So bear with me, bear with me. And uh, hopefully the Holy Spirit will translate whatever I get wrong and we will all get the fulfillment that we, that we came looking for today. In the spirit of full disclosure, I should say that I could get emotional at some point today, like right now. Because let me tell you this, uh, some of you really need to hear this. As we were praying back home a year ago, and we were trying to discern what to do and make sure that it was God moving us here. He made some promises to us back, back then, back home. And he, will, and he said, I will open up doors. And I will have you continue to serve me as you want to serve me. Because that, the Lord knows that that is on our hearts. So if you're going through, if you're going through something like that right now, and the Lord has promised you something, then believe for it. Because they will, there will come a time when that promise will fulfill. And you will be living through it just as I am today. So I just want to say thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Jamie, for the opportunity of being here. Thank you. They are awesome, are they not? Just put your hands together. We've come to love them. And um, I just thank you for your life and for this opportunity. Why don't we close our eyes and, and let's uh, do a little bit of pray, uh, prayer. Thank you, Lord, because we are here this morning because we need you. We came here looking for your presence in our lives. And we come here also asking for direction in our lives and we believe that you want to give us that abundantly uh, please remove any obstacle any hindrances that we may have to receive your word open our minds and our hearts so we can receive it and obey it in Jesus name we pray that amen amen so we are in the third week of uh, home builders is the name of the series that we're doing and we've talked about family and marriage if you missed uh, last week teaching then you need to go back and listen to it because it was a great teaching. And hopefully all of the married men that are here got that desired text message throughout the week. Yeah, nobody's raising their hands. Probably they're not, they don't want to brag about that. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. If you don't know what we're talking about, then you, you need to go back and, 
and listen to that teaching. It was great. And you could, that is, you're going to be able to find the instructions on how to become a member on the big boy club. So, so just make sure. So just make sure that you listen to that. Okay? So today, we will continue on that Home Builders uh, series. And I want to talk about the topic of how families succeed. How families succeed. Do you want to succeed as a family? Yes? So we're going to get some instruction today about on how to succeed as families, and especially raising our children. Because it is not the same thing that, uh, that is going on right now with society and with culture and with our kids that was happening a few years back when you and I were little kids. So I just want to talk about that. And uh, just let me tell you that, as, past as Pastor was saying, I was blessed to be raised in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor. He got the privilege of founding two churches. Uh, we even got to be missionaries for a few years overseas. And so church and ch church ministry and all of that, I've been involved in that. I've seen the in and outs of church. I've seen the pretty side of the church and the not so pretty side of the church. And uh, still we're here. So that, that tells you something for our convictions and our, the grace of our Savior especially. So I was raised like that, but then growing up, I started to work in a place, and I saw this beautiful, incredibly beautiful girl that I wanted to marry. <laughs> but you know what? Funny thing that she comes from a, from a traditional Catholic non-believer family in Mexico. Those who say that are Catholic, but they go to church like a couple of times a year, and they do all of the rituals, but they don't really know why they are doing those. So um, her parents got divorced when she was five, and uh, she was raised by a combination of mom when she was not working, a little bit of grandmother, uh, a little bit of dad, and stepmom as well. So when we got married and we started our family, we said, okay, so how do we make it work? Because we've seen so many bad examples around us, even in and out of the church, and with us as family, like we are kind of doubting ourselves that if we're going to be able to make it or not. So she was a, and a Christian by then, and me being, the, me being the pastor kid, I said, let's go into the Bible, and let's look for information there so we can take it from there. And we went on, and we find out in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 24, that says something like this. The father of godly children has cause for joy. How many know this? The father of godly children has cause for joy. What a pleasure to have children who are wise. So give your father and mother joy. May she who gave you birth be happy. And while we were reading through this, we said we want, we want to have something like that. If the, if the Lord permits and we have children, then we want to raise them to be godly children and a cause for joy in, in our family. We want to have children who are wise, and we want to be happy, and we want to be joyful around them. But then we got kids, and we found out <laughs> that that is not an automatic thing. You really need to invest. You need to really be uh, purposeful with the way you are raising them, especially in your family, so you can get these kinds of results. Now, if you're here, and if you have children... Uh, no matter what age they are, this is going to be applicable to you. And if you are in the process of getting children or you don't have children yet, then pay attention. To, or even if you're a son or a daughter, for those watching at home uh, as well, if you're a son or a daughter, this will also apply to you. So you can put you to the test to see if you're the one bringing joy to your family or not. So this is going to be interesting for all of us, okay? So we, we ask, so what is the formula? What can we do to guarantee your family success? And when we go to the Bible, then we find the instruction that we're looking for. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, that it says this. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will, ne will not depart from it. So the first keyword that we found over here is... Train up a child. Say it to your neighbor. Train up. 
This is my first key point because this is the first invitation that I have for you this morning. The invitation goes like this is let's embrace a responsibility to train. As parents, we have to embrace a responsibility to train our kids. Because if we don't do that, then so many things start to fall apart because of that, of us not doing that. The proverb says, train up your child in the way he should go. And even though when they were, well, they were to be old, they would not depart from it. And I can testify with that. I can testify for that. Because there was some point in my life that I didn't want anything to do with God. And I'm sorry to say that now. I didn't want anything to do with churches. I was not thinking and I was not willing to be a pastor. Actually, we used to tease our dad about that. I have two other brothers. The one is older than me. The other one is younger than me. The oldest is also a pastor. The youngest is a worship leader at his church. And whenever our dad would ask us if we wanted to continue in ministry and do some of that pastoral stuff, we would kiddingly but seriously say, no, thank you. We want to have a good life. We want to make some money. So I was not thinking about this as an opportunity to serve him, neither to be my kind of profession in life. But I know so because of many parents are uh, not following through with this task, they are not embracing, embracing their responsibility to train their kids. Then we have kids and teens that are struggling with so many things today because of the lack of training from their parents. And when we take to heart just doing that, then God will honor us and he will take care of our kids and children's heart. And he will continue to support them throughout life no matter what. So many parents have left this task to either the church, the school, or society. In the best of scenarios, you will have parents thinking that these tasks belong to the church. And they will bring their kids to church. And thank God that we have a beautiful kids ministry and beautiful youth ministry. And they are making this, they, their best effort to teach our children and to equip them with godly principles and how to do life and stuff. But then the parents that are thinking this way, that is the church's responsibility to do that. Then most of the times these kids go back home and sometimes they see something working differently there that they were taught in here. Because the convictions are not there, are not supporting the behavior at home. So we, were, so we were told not to lie, but then the phone rings at home, and the mom yells to the kid, tell them I'm not here. <laughs> and they are confused. And we can get away with some of that stuff when they are little, but then when they grow up, and they are teenagers, and when they're young adults, they really put us to the test, and they see that our convictions are not running that deep. I remember this one time I was serving as a youth pastor in her, in her church. And I remember this one time that a mother came into my office. He called me. It is urgent that we, that we see you. Can, you. can you receive us right now? Yeah, come over here. They step into my office. And she was mad. She was irated. She was uh, fr frustrated. Uh, she came with her daughter. And I remember them sitting down and saying, so what's, what's happening? How can I be of service? And she went on, you need to talk to her. She's been so disobedient. And I want you to tell her why. And uh, she's not listening to me. She's just wanting to do her own thing. And she's not being a good daughter. So when I turned to the daughter and asked, so what's the issue in hand? She said, well, my friends are throwing a party. And I asked my mom if I could go to this party. And uh, she started to get mad at me, and she started to yelling at me, uh, yelling at me. And she said that I could not go to that party that my friends were throwing. And I asked, why? And when I asked why, she went ballistic on me, and she started uh, grabbing me by my arm, and she threw me into the car, and she drove us over here to the church. And she was telling me on, on the way here that you, the pastor, was going to tell me why she couldn't go to, to that party. Because we as Christians don't go to those kind of parties. And then I asked her, so what kind of party was this one? She said, just a regular party. I mean, my, hanging out with my friends and doing things <laughs> that young girls do. So and I asked her to step out of the office and to give me a minute 
with her mom, and I was trying to explain to her that it was not my responsibility to train her daughter, but if she had convictions about not letting her daughter to go to parties wherever they were, uh, then she needed to be clear, and she needed to have a reason. I thought that the questions are valid. The teenager was asking, why? So explain me your faith. Explain me why not, or why are we doing this? I want to understand so I can make it my own convictions. Because you know that when our kids are little, they leave out our faith. They do our praying time. They do our Bible reading. They do our going to service, to church, and or, or singing or whatever. They're following on our footsteps. But then it has to come a time for everyone so that we stop borrowing their faith from our parents, our parents, and we make it our own. And we have our own convictions, and we grow into that faith, and we have a personal relationship with God. So I think that this teenager was looking for that, was looking for a healthy explanation about what to do, why am I allowed, or why am I not allowed. And the mother wasn't in that position to give it up. And she, and she thought that was rebelling against them. So as parents, we need to make sure that we are embracing our responsibility to train our kids. So I said, in the best scenario, we're leaving it to the church. But then I mentioned two other not-so-great scenarios to leave that task to. And don't get me started in the school system. If we are trusting the school system to train our kids the truth then good luck with that. I've been only here for a few months. Yeah, praise the Lord on that one. And I know pastor is passionate about this topic, so I'll let him explain further on what I'm trying to say. I've been only here for a few months, but I was never raised in an environment where the school system was building up a third restroom so some of the students can go in there if they were feeling like they didn't belong to each other of the restrooms. I didn't have to face that growing up. I didn't have to think about that. But now our kids are facing that. Now our kids are going through that issue right now. And if they are, their convictions are going to put to the test, are going to be put to the test on, that, on those kind of issues. So if you're relying on the school system to teach your kids to the truth, I don't think you're in a good place. And obviously, if you're relying on society for teaching your kids what they are supposed to do. Oh, listen to me. Society will try to train them, either or. Even if we're training them or not, society will try to teach our kids how are they to dress, what are they to believe, how are they to behave, what are they to, to do, where do they need to go to have fun, how do they need to think about sexual relationships, how do, are they to think about relationships and intimacy, how are they to post themselves in social media, all that kind of good stuff, they will be targeted. They are being targeted already. And if we don't do our job as parents to embrace our responsibility to train them, they will not be ready to face those battles. Now, the wording that we chose is let's embrace our responsibility because it is not enough just to know it. It is not enough just to accept it. It's a matter of embracing fully the responsibility that we have to train our daughters and sons in the way they should go. And all of this starts with putting God front and center in everything we do. Because God wants to be involved in every one of the areas of our life. How do we um, entertain ourselves? And how do we uh, go about spending money? And what do we think about others and relationships? He wants to be involved in everything we do. Just pay attention to what the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 6 says about our coaching with our kids. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. 
So basically, uh, Moses is giving out his last speech before uh, the people of Israel enter to the, to the promised land. And then he's giving his final recommendations for the people to follow in the Lord's footsteps. And he's saying, just impress them on your children. All of these commandments, the word of the Lord, just make sure that they have them on their heart as well. And talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, early in the morning and when you go to bed. Just basically all the time, every time, everywhere, anywhere, continue to teach them and train them all the time. Because life will provide us an opportunity to train our kids no matter what. You know, have, probably you, sh you know this by now if you have, a, if you have kids. Most, some of the most profound conversations that I have with my children are, have happened in the car. While we're going from point A to training B to game Z. That I have a, I have Ian, many of you know Ian, he just turned 11. He has asked me the most difficult questions that a human can face. I don't know why he's, is he wired like that. I mean, he just comes up with this, all of these crazy questions, like, like trying to challenge my faith and my beliefs and explain me why. And Moses is, is giving us the clue over here. He's saying, if you take this seriously, seriously, then you will take advantage of every opportunity you have to train your kids. When you're talking about sports, when you're watching a game, when you're doing something fun, when you're cooking, when you're cleaning. That is the recommendation. So it is obviously our responsibility to teach them and to talk about our faith. But it's more than repeating Bible verses at home. It, it really is about modeling how to live them, which is the powerful thing. Listen, if we go back a few ver verses before those that uh, we just read, then listen how Moses is challenging us for that. Let's listen. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 2. This is the commandment, the rules and regulations that God, your, God commanded me to teach you to live out in the land you're about to cross and to possess. This is so that you'll live in deep reverence before God, lifelong serving all his rules and regulations that I'm commanding you and you and your children and your grandchildren living good long lives. So Moses is saying, your God has commanded me to teach you to live out. Say it to your neighbor, live out. That is the powerful, that is, the, that is really the powerful thing to do, just to live out the word. And we are modeling and when we are teaching our kids how to do it, then that is the greatest impact that we uh, can make in our lives and our children's. So if you want some New Testament for that, we can go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, that goes like this. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So I love how the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in, in uh, Ephesus, and he's uh, telling them about the, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And this is the complete thing, because when we're talking about instruction, then we are referring to more theoretical things. Theory, teaching, information receiving, information gathering. But then when we're talking about training, that is more hands-on. That is more practical stuff that we are supposed to be teaching our kids. So you, you remember when we were going through that with our little kids, like, come over here, I'm going to show you how to brush your, your, brush your teeth. And then we would do that, and we would have those conversations, and we would show them how to do it, and we would try to do something fun, because we would know they would hate it if otherwise. So, <laughs> so this is what the Apostle Paul is referring to. And when this is done right, then the result is we will raise children who embrace being trained, who love being trained, who are open to information, who are looking for great examples. But you know that there's a counterpart to this as well. If we, when this is not done right, then we find out that not all children are good at receiving instructions. And some of them are rebelling against instructions. And if we don't address those issues when they're young, then they will grow up. And then they'll become adults who are not open to receiving instruction or correction. It doesn't matter who it is. And if you're married to some of them, don't look at them, don't elbow them. Just keep looking to the front.
because we all know some grown-ups that are that we could be so hard-headed and not listening to anybody. I'm just married with my ideas. I have my own ideas and I have my own way of doing life and I don't I will not let anybody change me. Even the pastor of our church. And then if that, if that's our heart, if that's our feeling, then God is going to be always limited to flow in our lives because we because we are not open to his moving, to his presence, to his teaching, to his coaching. So this is why this is very important. So the first invitation, as we said, it is let's embrace our responsibility to train. Let me move along. And I have a second invitation for you, parents or children that are here. Our second invitation is let's embrace the, the privilege of loving. Tell it to your neighbor. Embrace the privilege of loving. I know it's a long phrase to repeat. Let's embrace the privilege of loving. So listen to how John puts it in chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Just out of everything that God did, all of the creation, all of the human life, all of the great stuff that he did... He chose love to be the uh, distinguishable thing that we Christians have for each other and for the Lord. To be what will prove to the world that we are truly disciples of Jesus. And obviously that starts with us as, at home. That starts with the one that are closest to us, to the inner circle. Because this, some of you really need to pay attention to this following phrase. Some of you are making huge efforts and huge strides to show love to others outside of your home and they think of you as a very loving person very caring person but then when we ask your family some of them will go like when they listen that you are very loving and very caring maybe your wife or children will go huh <laughs> what are you really talking about he she never tells us that she loves us but we barely see that. He, he's always busy doing stuff. And we don't get that same thing that you're saying. And I, I'm telling you because at some point in my life, I think I was like that. I was so focused on helping others and serving others and being present in others that I was unwillingly not paying attention to my own inner circle. Even in ministry. You can be serving others and not really being present with your family. And obviously that is going to take a huge toll on them. So we need to pay attention to this. And we need to identify if we're really showing it to our inner circle first. Because we don't always show it. We think we show it because we feel it in the inside. Is somebody following me here? We think we show it because we feel it. And that's how we come to this beautiful uh, thing that joke going that has been going on for so many decades now about wives asking their better half if you love me you've seen that you've heard that okay the wife asking the husband with those beautiful eyes hey do you love me and then as guys when we when we're listening to that we feel inside like what are you talking about you know I love you. That's how we respond, right? You know I love you. And then she answers back, tell me that you love me. Tell me that you love me. Tell me that you do. And we are confronted with that idea, and we don't really like that. But if we pay attention to that, what she's telling us is, I need to listen to you say those words frequently. I know you do, but I still want to hear you say it. And it happens the same thing with our kids. Now, let me get serious and a little, and a little bit deeper with this because I studied psychology, so I'm passionate about human behavior. So let me, let me, let me be serious about this. Some of us don't know how to give it because we didn't receive it growing up. And so many times I've heard, well, you know, my dad, he was a man of few words. 
And you know what that means on the other side of it. He wasn't really communicating very well to us and to me as his son, as his daughter. Some of them would say, well, you know, my dad, my dad, he was a rough man. He was tough. He was, he, he wasn't the army. He went to so-and-so war. And you know what that means. On the other side of it, they are saying, I didn't feel loved. He didn't teach me how to do this. So we become adults and we still don't know how to do it. And we're trying to emulate and copy all of those practices that we saw growing up. And they were not all the time the best ones. And you know, right now, the Lord is confronting us as Christians being present today here and saying, you need to pay attention to that. And you need to owe that to your family and especially to your children. Because if you don't show them and if you don't embrace the privilege of loving them and it is clear for them that you do, then they will be another generation that doesn't know how to teach love and how to love their children. And this is why society is so influential on them. Because their jar is kind of empty. Their love jar is kind of empty. So they are looking everywhere, anywhere to fill it with anything. So when someone comes and approaches them and says, Hey, you know, we accept you and we love you. And we also, need that you, we also think that you should act this way. Then they will say, Okay, I'll do that if you want me to. I just want to feel loved. And that is why they have so much influence in our kids. But when they have their love jar full and they are encouraged and they are appreciated and they are shown love at home, then society will still come at them, don't get me wrong. But they will reply and say, no, nope, I'm pretty confident in who I am. I don't need that kind of training. I don't need that kind of thoughts. Actually, I rebuke them in Jesus' name. Yeah. Words, actions, gifts, experiences. There are so many things of, of showing, and so many ways of showing love. Actually, a quick commercial. Probably some of you have heard about or even read this book called The Five Love Languages by, is by Gary Chapman. And uh, my wife and I and a couple of friends are leading uh, a couples group that is going to be starting next week. And we're going to be studying that material. So if you want to join us, then come and ask some questions. We would love to have you. So we need to identify also, while talking about love, we need to identify the rhythm or the season or the flow of the relationship as well. So we can give it right to our kids depending on where they are at. If they are little chin children, then some strategy is going to be involved into that. If they are college-age kids, then different strategy is going to involve in showing love to them. And if we don't, if we don't pay attention to that, we might struggle as well, and, we'll, and we will make them struggle as well looking for love. Because none of us knows how to be a parent for, the, for that age until they are that age. So my oldest is about to be 17 in a few months. So I don't know how to be a dad for a 20-year-old yet. And I will find out when he's 20. Hopefully I'm doing my own training and my own preparation right now. So when he gets to 20, I'll be able to continue to teach him and coach him and do what I'm supposed to do. But I, sometimes we will mess up. We will make mistakes because our strategy is not always right. I remember when they were growing up, I was looking for, once we got our house, and, and I remember my kids were little, I would come home after work, and I would find so difficult to see the house just Toys all over where, basketballs and footballs and Nerf guns everywhere. And that kind of, you know what I'm talking about, right? So I came home looking for order. I came looking for cleanness, for neatness. And as soon as I opened up the door, I would see the both of them just running around and throwing stuff at each other and that kind of thing. And that bothered me at the time. But then to make things worse... I remember my wife talked me into getting one of those basketball kind of thing, uh, 
games that you have, like the, the stuff that you would see at Chuck E. Cheese, one with the two rims and a computer that is keeping score with a huge thing underneath to catch the balls. And that, yeah, well, we had one something like that. And one day I came into the house and that huge thing was in our living room. <laughs> our furniture was all pushed over to the side and there was, a, just to make things worse, there was also like a little playground with a slider and stuff for Ian that was almost two years old. And all of this was in the middle of my real living room. And I was looking for order and cleanness and neatness. And I came to this and said, what is this? And I was so frustrated. And I remember, because I wasn't good at this, I remember uh, at night, Bertha talked to me and she told me, you know, I know that this bothers you. This is not what you're looking for our, our house to, to look like when you come home. But let me tell you this. Me being the psychologist, okay? I was being taught. She told me this. Our kids are small. Our kids are small right now. But there will come a time in maybe a couple of years. And my eyes were twitching when she said a couple of years. So our house is going to look like this for a couple of years now. Is that what you're telling me? And she said, our kids are little now, but they will grow up and they will stop playing with those kinds of toys and they will leave the house and they will have their own family one day. And then you and I will have many, many, many years to have the house clean and in order and cleanness and neatness and all that kind of thing that you're looking for. Now, I am realizing that that was so, that is so true. Until we get grandchildren. <laughs> I'm just realizing that now as I'm standing here. Until we get grandchildren. Because I'm seeing some of you guys saying, yeah, yeah, just wait. But that, was so, that is so true. So I needed to pay attention to the season that we were in. So I can coach our kids accordingly. Otherwise, I'm going to be asking for them stuff that they are not ready to deliver yet. And we need to be patient and we need to, be, to, to pay attention to that. So we need to be conscious and aware about that. The worst thing that, that could happen to us as parents is just get lazy. It's just get complacent in our parenthood. And you know, nowadays we have it so easy with technology. I've seen so many parents just, I'm going to hand you out a cell phone. I'm going to hand you out a tablet. I'm going to give you all the video games you want. Why? So I don't have to be with you. So I don't have to take care of you. So you can be entertained by yourself. And so I can be doing my own thing. Checking my social media or talking with my friends or cooking or whatever, you name it. But when we embrace the privilege and we see it as a privilege that God has gave us, the privilege of parenting and the privilege of showing love to our kids, then we are going to want to pay the price to be there for them. I know that love is better received through actions than stuff. If somebody were to ask you, so what are the things that you most remember about your, when you were little growing up? Most of us will go to describe experiences, travels, places that we visited, the things that the Christmas at grandma's with all of our cousins and all of that. Not stuff. It's the experiences. It's the time that they invested in us. And that's what got us to show that they love us. So my third invitation for this morning is let's embrace. So we've talked about two of them. We've talked about embracing our responsibility to train our kids. And we've talked about embrace the privilege that we have of loving them. The third and final one is let's embrace our responsibility to set limits. Oh, this got interesting right here. Let's embrace our responsibility to set limits. Repeat limits to your neighbor. Limits. Listen to... How the Bible puts it in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15. A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. Physical discipline will drive it far away. 
Listen to what Proverbs 19:18 says. Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. So this is very important for us to pay attention to. Discipline your children while there is hope. While there is hope. Unfortunately, we see so many examples of people not taking advantage of this limit setting, of setting boundaries, of correcting them. And then when it is too late, we just realize that we were not good at it. And that is a harmful thing to do, not only for us, but for them. Because the Bible says, otherwise you will ruin their lives. When we learn to work, because you know, this is how God works from the get-go. Like when he was in the garden and he was talking to Adam and Eve, he said, everything is yours. But you can do whatever you want. Even you go to the New Testament and we have the Apostle Paul telling us, everything is permitted. Everything is allowed. You can do whatever you feel like. But not everything, not everything is within God's will. And you need to pay attention to that. So there is boundaries within the way so that, we, so that they can prevent you from going out of the road. That is the function of guardrails, basically. It's limiting our going so we prevent getting into a huge accident. It, I know it doesn't seem natural at first, at times. But setting limits or exercising discipline is a powerful way of showing love. And when we explain that to our children, then they know, I'm setting limits because I love you. I'm setting boundaries because I don't want you to suffer more than you have to already. Life is going to show you that you're going to have to face difficult times. But all of those difficult times, when they're in God's will, they have a purpose. They have a reason, and they build character, and they reveal something from God that you didn't know before. That is the purpose for those. But then when you go out of their way, and you don't respect our limits and our boundaries, then you're going to suffer without a purpose. That is going to be free suffering. And we don't want them to be there. So some of us may have given up on discipline and limits, and we are going to be ended up paying the consequences for that sooner or later. I don't know if this happens all that frequent over here, but I remember back in Mexico, we would have this, uh, this scenario where you would see a young mom dealing with a toddler throwing a tantrum at the uh, supermarket, buying grocery. And they will go into the floor and they will shout and scream and throw stuff at them. And then when I would see the mom trying to correct the situation, and I almost all the time had to bite my tongue and not get into their business because it's not my business. And they would sometimes say, oh, you see that security guard right there? I'm going to ask for the security guard to come and take you. <laughs> have, do you have this over here? We have that in Mexico. I'm not proud about telling you this, but we have that, Okay. Some of them will say, I'm going to talk to the policeman and he's going to come and he's going to take you. Or I'm going to call the doctor or the nurse so they can give you an injection. <laughs> yeah, whatever they can think about others exercising authority so the kids get to behave. And you know, when I'm looking at this, I'm saying, oh boy, you got it all wrong. This is seriously, this is not the way to go. Listen to what you're doing. Sooner or later, the toddler will come to identify clearly that the doctor never comes. And I never get an injection. The policeman, yeah, the policeman never comes. Or the security guard never takes me with him. So if he can do nothing about me doing this, and she can do nothing about me doing this, then the toddler is learning that I have the power. I am the one in control. I am the one exercising authority here. So you guys are supposed to obey me. And that is what's going on in so many families. And I'm just standing there in the back of the line, just watching this. And <laughs> don't say anything about this. When we do that, we are throwing away that authority that God gave us, gave us to correct our children and exercise it. 
which is a privilege as well. So many times I would come, come home when I was a young adult and I would found, find my dad sitting in the living room at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. when I was doing things that I wasn't supposed to do. And he would be there waiting for me, reading his Bible to make it worse. <laughs> or on his knees praying for me. And I would open up the door and I would see him. And I said, oh boy, here we go. I say, son, please come over here. Take a seat. Oh, it's 4 a.m., Dad. What do you want from me? I just want to pray for you. That is the worst. Yeah, you know that's the worst. I prefer him just going hard at me and just, what are you doing? This is not the hours that you're supposed to be getting home. And we were calling you 10 times. You weren't answering your phone. There was already, the cell phones had been invented already when I was doing that. But then I remember all of those times that he was trying to correct me by saying, listen, you know the Bible. But I'm going to read this to you. Because you're responsible for this, not me. I set a good example for you. Now it's your own responsibility. Listen to me. I remember those things now. And I am just so thankful for those moments. Because they, those were the reason. Those were the reason that I'm standing here right now. So when we take that to heart and we embrace our responsibility to set limits, then God will show up and he will do to protect our children and our kids. He will do what only he can do. Now let me close this. Let me approach and, and close this. I just have the one closing. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to work on, on two or three more. But that, I'm just... That is expert level of closing. I'm just, I just have the one, okay? I don't want to make you feel guilty about this. Uh, this parenting is challenging. And this can happen to even the best of us. David had a son called Adonijah. And uh, David did so many great things. But parenting, I don't think it was one that he nailed it. Just Adonijah wanted to be king as well. So he rebelled and went to got chariots and horses and 50 men to come against his own father. And listen to what Kings, the first Kings chapter 1 verse 6 tells about this. Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at this time, even by asking, why are you doing that? So almighty King David had never disciplined his son at any time. He never took the opportunity to confront him. He had no limits. He had no boundaries. He had no respect for authority. So now he was trying to overthrow his own dad out of his king, his kingdom, his chair. We are not called to be our son's best friends. We are called to something way much better, which is being their parents. And when we get that... We will embrace that opportunity and we will make the best of it and God will be with us. Because when we flip it and we're trying to be their best friend instead of their parents, we're going to mess up no matter what. We're going to get things wrong. We are in the wrong position. We are assuming the wrong place. So God is not always going to bless that. I'm just going to close by reading Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11. That says... No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Later on. Later on. At first, it seems painful. At first, it is unpleasant. When you're going to the gym and you're just starting that, at first, it is painful. It is stressing. It, it does, it's not paying the results that I want. It's just being week one and I'm hurting and nothing is showing. But then later on, with time, with consistency, with discipline, then it will come with showing their fruits. So we should, somebody said this, and I think it's very cool. 
we should stop asking what type of world are we living to our children, and we should start asking instead what type of children are we living to the world. Because if we read our Bibles, when we read our Bibles, we will find out that society and the world is going to get crazier and crazier and crazier every time. So it's not a matter of when is this going to stop. We know it's going to get worse even. So that's why we need to prepare our children and prepare ourselves so we can continue to seek for God as a priority in our lives. And, that, and then God will take care of the rest. So this is what I, what I want to do for closing. In a moment, uh, the praise team is going to lead us in a song. And while the song is playing, I would ask that all of you parents that based on what we just heard, are being moved up by God, by the Holy Spirit, to recommit your parenting to the Lord. It doesn't matter if you have small children or your kids are in college or they are grown-ups. We don't give up the responsibility of being their parents until we're not here. No longer, okay? So if you want to recommit your parenthood because you know you can improve of some of the things that we talked today, then this is going to be your moment to come over here to the front and then I'll have pastor come and pray for all of us. This is not only directed to parents. This is only directed to sons and daughters. You might be here and you still don't have a family yet, but you're thinking about yourself as a son or a daughter. And the question for you has been throughout this message, are you bringing joy to your family? Are you having an open heart to be corrected and disciplined? Are you making your mom and dad proud of you? Can they see your, the character of Christ built in you? Or you're far away from that? And if that's the case, this will be your moment as well. So why don't we step into our feet and while they praise Him, guide us in this, in this song, then take that opportunity and come to the front and I'll have Pastor pray for all of us. So, Lord, I just want to thank you for this time and this opportunity. We know that you are present here with us. And the Bible teaches us that once your word is spoken, it will make the impact and it will bear fruit with it because you are behind it and you are the designer of all of this to happen. I just pray for all of the families over here, the church that have children. Uh, I just pray that you bless them and that you guide them so that we can become the best parents that we can because we are following in your principles because we are embracing the opportunity that we have to train our children that we are embracing the opportunity and the privilege of loving them and also we are embracing the opportunity to set limits with them so they can be blessed in your side thank you very much because you are a loving father thank you very much because you are a loving father and we can be called your children right now. And I know that you are going to be doing some special things within our families. And you are going to strengthen us in Jesus' name. So this is your moment. Just get out of your chair. Come over here to the front. And I'll have Pastor pray for you in a minute.